Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have a repeat guest in Brandon Schneider, president and COO of the Golden State Warriors, along with my co-host Andy Dolich. Uh, we asked Brandon to come back on and since his last episode, he has uh, added a, a, a word or two to the title. And so we wanted to kind of cover what, what does it take to become a president? And Andy will get into it a little bit more. I just think it's pretty neat come full circle, Brandon. We had Rick Welts on, I think, episode three or four of this podcast when we very first started, uh, and you're feeling his shoes. So it's uh, it's pretty neat to kind of see that, you know, 300-something episodes later, and uh, nonetheless, excited to talk to you about uh, your experience thus far, although I'm sure it's not too different. Uh, still basketball being played and, and uh, you know, uh, trying to fill the seats, but nonetheless, welcome. Thanks for having me on, Jake, Andy, and you. I, I need to correct one thing that you said. You, you mentioned filling Rick Welch's shoes. Um, no one person does that. We are very lucky to have a great team attempting to fill those big shoes. No, you've been you've been very focused on that, as is Rick and, and the team, and we'll get into that in terms of the incredible quality you have at every level. Um, and just as a point of conversation. I was lucky enough to go to a game like two weeks ago at Chase, and um, it takes a while to get used to Chase in terms of when you've worked in a building for a long time, as I did at the Oakland Coliseum. And uh, Brandon and his quality staff was nice enough to host me, and I brought a friend who had never been there before, so he was blown away. But at the end of the game, when I went to find my car, and Brandon, I think you can feel for this. There's a lot of places that you can sort of get lost at Chase Center if you don't know where you're going, right? And I didn't know exactly where I was going. And a young man who was part of their game ops staff saw it, immediately got on it, said, you know, where are you? I told him and he was all over it. And I sent Brandon a note right after the game just saying, that's what quality is all about. And that's you know, not that's not easily done. And I don't know the hundreds of people that you have on a game night, but I know it's hundreds. And for that young man to realize it, do it, and do it in a classy fashion, you know that 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 speaks well of you and your staff. I, I appreciate the story. I appreciate the, the note that you sent. And look, it's fan experience is what it's all about. So it's it's. Uh, it doesn't matter what your job is. It's all of our job to make sure we're, we're doing everything we can to help our fans. And I agree with you. You can get lost there. We, we have more elevators and escalators than I think any arena in the country. And so you're like, I took the elevator up. Yeah. Which one? Uh, and, and then all of our parkings underground. So knowing which part of the lot you're in is yeah. definitely confusing. No, I remember when uh, Levi's first opened, I was long gone, uh, but I went to the opening game and a lot of the ushers, when you came in, or game staff to Levi's and they were getting to know their building. And you'd probably go through the same thing, Brandon. And I'd go, 
well, I need to go here. And they go, well, it's right over there. If you would just go right over there, you'll find it. And they had no idea what the heck they were talking about. For those listening, Andy uh, did the proverbial fingers going in two opposite directions, yes. uh, which is the direction that he was receiving, which is the, which is not good, never good. <laughs> no, but you um, again in a in a a build in a building that's part of uh, Mission Bay and China Basin and Candlestick and UCSF. There's a lot of places that you could dead end and go. Well, where am I here? But the whole experience and driving and having people know where to direct is <laughs> that's the glamorous part of sports, right, Brandon? Nobody ever sees that. Yeah, it's, it's funny you, you say it, Andy, because, you know, we, we think of it as the, you know, it's the the door-to-door uh, -door experience, right? We, we talk about from the time you buy a ticket to matriculating your way, whether that's transit or driving to, to the arena, uh, the event or the game itself, everything in between timeouts, the, you know, all the entertainment, food and beverage, everything, and then and then getting yourself home. And, and you know, as we all know, being in San Francisco, um, you know, traffic, parking, public transportation, that there's there's a lot of people here, right? So, right. so that part of it, making sure we've got all the right information on the website, we're directing people and, you know, the street closures are picked up in ways and Google Maps and all those details. Cause you know, when you have season ticket members and suite holders that are going to a lot of events, it's easy. Once you've done it five or six times, you've got it down. But for, for a lot of people that are going to one event or their first event, I mean, look, we were, we were open six months starting in 2019 and then COVID hit. So this is really, this is our first full season uh, at Chase Center. So people are still learning it. So that, 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 that communication is really important. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the sort of driveway to driveway experience. And the first time I heard it is our colleague in the NBA and quality guy, Bernie Mullen was espousing this, you know, decades ago. So it's not just, I'm in the building, I have my seat, I'm seeing the players you could be coming from an hour and a half away, or you could be coming from three blocks away. The team has to be totally focused on that and um, how you deal with the fans and make them happy, as you said. No question. For the, for the record, that is Andy's phone, not Jake's phone. Yes, mind. that is my phone. He's a busy guy. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was so busy that it said scam likely. So um, that's, that's okay. So we uh, we went off a different path from the beginning. So Jake, bring us back to where. Brandon, what what's how did you know at some point you'd be able to sit in the president's seat? What I mean, walk us through the process of you know the first couple of weeks, and then now to where you are. I mean, it, has the mindset changed at all? What's what's different other than maybe the business card? <laughs> business cards changed. You you just asked a lot. Um, so. In terms of, so I think the first thing you asked was, at what point did I know that I might be able to get to this seat? I mean, I think I can answer that a couple of different ways. I mean, I started with the Warriors in 2002, um, basically right out of college. I was 22 years old um, as a ticket salesperson. And so, you know, initially I was trying to sell as many tickets as I could, but, you know, just trying to do the very best I could. And this is one of the things we talk about with, with people that work for us earlier in their career, or even, you know, kids that reach out for advice on LinkedIn or other ways is I always tell people like this day and age, people get ahead of, ahead of themselves quite a bit and they're looking for what's next right away. It's kind of the, the stereotypical uh, millennial. And for me, it was just keep my head down and do the very best I could in, in, in what I was supposed to be doing was the initial thing. You know, at, at the same time, keeping your eyes and ears open and trying to be a, key, a team player and having as much of an impact as you can. So it started there. And then, you know, as you start going through the career and Joan Peter bought the Warriors in 2010, so it was about halfway through my, my time with the Warriors. 
um, and you start looking at all this and you start realizing like, you know, this is, um, this is going well and you're, you're building relationships with every, everyone that you work with. And then, you know, Rick Waltz got here in 2011, which, um, you know, is probably one of the most important things that's, that's, ha- I don't know if it happened to me is that makes it sound selfish, but I would say one of the most important things that happened to the Warriors and, and by extension ended up being one of the most important things for me because he's been an incredible mentor to, I don't know how many people, a lot of people uh, in the industry, but I'm lucky to have worked closely with him for 10 years, um, reporting directly to him and, you know, having weekly one-on-ones kind of thing and talking to him a lot and and just watching how he, how he does everything. And I think his time went on and, you know, you'd hear little grum, little thing, little tidbits from him and others that, you know, he might be, um, you know, working his way towards, he doesn't say retired, but towards not, um, you know, coming to a job like this every day, you know, you kind of realize like, you know, I, maybe I have a shot to, to do some percentage of what Rick does. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say do what Rick does. Cause I, I, I don't know if anyone uh, could, could truthfully say that, um, you know, in terms of like first couple of weeks and what the transition has been like, you know, I, I was fortunate because uh, obviously working with Rick and learning from him, we, the announcement was made of my new job, April 13th, but it didn't kick in or become official or, or um, uh, actually change until July 1st. So there was, there was about two and a half months there, um, which, got shortened, I think, in practice, but, you know, where, where uh, we had that transition, um, and, and Rick was amazing, like, he set up calls with, you know, one of the, one of the things that's unique about the NBA, and sports in general, but I think the NBA leads, is the, the camaraderie uh, amongst teams, and just the, the sharing of best practices, you know, there's not very many industries in the world where, you know, like, in the NBA, you've got 29 other teams that do, or, or companies that do the same thing that you do, but you're not competing, right? You're competing on the court, but you're not you're not competing with the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Memphis Grizzlies to sell tickets or or other things, and so so there's that sharing of best practices. So one of the things Rick did was set up calls with. We went down the list of all the team presidents, and and any of any of them that I didn't I'd met all of them, but any of them that I didn't know really well, uh, he set up calls for the three of us to spend 15 or 20 minutes just as a get get to know you. In his words, to make sure that I was able to to kind of tap into the same network of learning that he's been able to, to have, um, set up calls. I was fortunate in my prior role to know a lot of our partners, so that was fine. Some gov- government kind of uh, contacts, um, government officials in the area, um, the NBA, some of the NBA executives, some of which I knew really well, some of which I didn't. Um, so there's a lot of that. And then and then it was planning. You know, it's interesting, Jake. Um, I assumed when, I, when my job was announced that Look, I've been with the Warriors for 19 plus years, um, worked closely with Rick. I knew everyone liked Rick, respected Rick. So my assumption was that people wouldn't expect or necessarily want a lot of change immediately, you know, as opposed to a situation where maybe you hadn't had as much success and somebody came in from the outside, right? Different scenario. But as I started working through it, like I realized quickly I was wrong. Um, you know, people were like, you know, what's what's your vision? What's our direction? Where are we headed? I was getting a lot of questions like like that. Um, which was was really, um, I, I, I it energized me, um, and not to say like I don't know if it, I don't know if I would say it changed things because like you know you are who you are and you you've seen what you've seen and you have ideas on on how you want to move things forward, but it probably gave me confidence that I didn't have to be maybe quite as patient um, as I I originally thought I might be. Um, as you make this transition. Um, and so, so that was good. And we went to work quickly. I'll, I'll say one other, one other thing and I'll pause. One of, the, one of the things that Rick and I had talked about over the years and we had never done, like I had always pushed him, you know, I, I came from the revenue side of things and we always had really distinct goals for, for revenue generators, for people in sales and service. But, but organization wide, we never had um, common goals that everybody was pointed towards. And so I always wanted 
to have that because I just felt like that would that would really bring everyone together, um, rowing in the same direction, revenue generating, non-revenue generating. Listeners, you can't see my air quotes because to me, everyone's revenue generating, by the way. Um, so one of the things we did starting in April, because we wanted to be able to unveil this, we also never had done mission, vision, values for the Warriors. So we went through that exercise, created mission, vision, values, created organizational goals in the format of OKRs, which are objectives and key results. Um, so that was one of the first things we did. We unveiled that at an all-company meeting July 15th, which was you know my 15th day in the job. Um, and 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 I think it was important to do it that way, just for people to see like you know some of the distinct changes that we were making. Um, on that same town hall, we, you know, people, a lot, one of the questions I got in that period was like, who's going to take your job? Who's going to be the next CRO? Um, and so we, we answered that question. We didn't, we didn't fill the role, by the way, um, because my, my direct reports at the time and still um, who run ticketing and partnerships and marketing are all like amazing. Um, and I, 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 I wanted to elevate all of them. So that's what we did. Um, and then we made some other changes just to, to double down on, on the direction we're headed. We created a, a head of technology, a VP of technology. It's a role we haven't had before, which is crazy to think being in the Bay Area. Um, and technology has always been a big part of what, we, what we've done, but we had um, different technology groups, IT and consumer facing technology reporting into different places. So we, we centralized that, um, which we think will help quite a bit, help with a lot of our tech partners as well. And then the other thing that we did, we had a, a business development group um, it was a new group of one, by the way, that reported directly to me over the last several years, um, looking at new business opportunities. And um, uh, we've, we've, we moved that, that reports into our CFO, who's great. He's a year in and, and very entrepreneurial, kind of a strategy, came from Nike, actually the 49ers before that and Disney before that. So that reports to him and we're going we're gonna to expand. We're in the process of expanding that group. Uh, and I'll say one other thing related to that, um, that supports what our what our vision is in terms of mission, vision, values. We, we call it our BHAG, which stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal, um, which is something that we want to accomplish in the next 10 to 30 years is kind of how we think about it. So it's longer term goals. But our, our, our vision is um, to, to leverage the strength of our brand enabled by technology to become global leaders in experiences and entertainment. Um, and, and what that means to me and, and, and the way we think about it, like we had... We, most of our company is focused on the basketball team and putting on live events and servicing our customers and partners and all those things, which is what we need. But there's a small group of us that was kind of looking ahead and saying, what other businesses can we get into? And it, it but, but like we, we hadn't really articulated to our organization, what's going on here? Like, what are we supposed to be focused on? And so the idea here is keep the main thing, the main thing. Joe Lacob likes to say that Disney started as a theme park. Well, the Warriors started as a basketball team. We've now become a sports and entertainment company as we as we built Chase Center and Thrive City. Um, so, so you got to keep the main thing the main thing. We always have to be laser focused on creating incredible experiences for our fans, winning championships, making an impact in the community, all the things that we do. And then coming out of that, what is that? What does that brand then enable us to do? You know, in, in, from other I don't want to say ancillary businesses because these businesses may not end up being ancillary, but you know, some examples of what we're looking at. Um, you know, we were the first uh, sports team to, to do an NFT drop. So what are we doing in that? You know, everyone talks about the metaverse. What opportunities are there there? We created our own um, suite resale platform. So it's called Suite Exchange. We, we built it from the ground up. We use it. Uh, it's great. Uh, great transactional opportunity for our suite holders to resell their suite. We're starting to talk to other teams about using that. So think the StubHub of... Um, uh, of, t of suites, right? There, there's really not a mechanism. You can sell suites on StubHub, but it's not the right platform for it. And by the way, I think StubHub would tell you that. 
Um, so we've created a platform there. So, th so those are a couple of, we've started to invest in technology companies. We invested in a company called Buzzer that, that a lot of people have heard of. Bohan came from Twitter. Um, a really, really interesting company. If you haven't uh, heard of Buzzer, look it up because I think you'll, you will hear from it. So these are some of the things that we're thinking about. But um, so that was that was a lot of like a lot of things happening quickly as we made that transition. And then and then a lot of what we're doing now is like just like everyone else in the world, you're navigating COVID, and and how does that affect our 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 team members, our, our players, uh, and our fans at, at Chase Center? So there's been a lot of um, a lot of discussion on that. Unfortunately, hopefully we're getting through that. But it's been a it's been a fun transition. I would say uh, when you were talking, I was thinking about all of the changes that occur literally every day for a sports franchise and what you've been through in a short period of time, knowing Rick Welts for a long time, and you said it, people didn't want, I mean, I would say they didn't want you to be Rick Welts. They wanted you to be Brandon Schneider. Um, because you're not going to be Rick Welts. I mean, as you said, that's one. They broke the mold. You move on and have what is in your business focus, what's in your DNA to lead an organization. And I'm curious to this day, I always try to look at the presidents of different sports organizations. And if you really look, it's not Harvard, Yale, Oxford, it's I started out in the phone room or I started out in, uh, in, a, in a focus that I'm selling something, not, oh my God, I was running a Fortune 100 company. And is that still the case as you look at your colleagues throughout the league in yeah. C-level positions or is it changing? Yeah, that's an interesting, I think that's interesting, Andy. Um, I think, I think you, you see different things, but, you know, Gretchen Shear um, uh, was elevated to president of the Houston Rockets, I think a couple months after my job changed. She's a good friend of mine. She started with the Rockets, I think two years, either a year or two before I started with the Warriors. She started in ticket sales. So she had a, a really similar path to me. I mean, almost uncannily similar. Um, you know, um, I think you look at Dwayne Hankins just got elevated um, in Portland. Um, he started there, you know, probably 10 years ago as CMO and kind of worked his way up. Um, what, what I would say to so I, I think your point's a good one. I think there's there's different ways to get here. And I think a lot of it does come from kind of learning, learning that industry. And, and, and you know, you do see people that have worked their way up. But I think you see other paths as well. And I think actually you mentioned other C-level roles besides just the, the president's job. I think you're starting to see for a lot of these jobs sports teams looking outside of sports a little bit more. I think part of it is, you know, as we as we think about the diversity, equity and inclusion conversation, um, which is something that's like part of our DNA. I mean, we're, we're proud that we've had a diversity and inclusion council for I don't know how many years, but front page news in sports now as it should be in every sport. And somebody goes, oh, those guys tripped up. Well, no, the focus is on every single sport and more importantly, every single business. Yeah, 100%. What I was just say, like we, we had a DNI council many years ago. Most most companies have started that in the last two years, right? But this is this is something that that's been part of, of who we are for a long time. And if you, uh, you know, uh, sports has been historically dominated, male dominated over the years. Um, and, and so if you are only hiring people within sports, it's harder to get that that diversity. And, and here's the, the, the thing that I think people lose sight of a little bit, because when you hear diversity, people immediately think of gender diversity and they think of race and ethnicity. 
and, and, and those are both important. And by the way, those are things that you can see, right? So, so those are obvious. But what you're really after when you have that conversation is diversity of thought, right? I want, so it's, it's, it's those two things that I just said are definitely a part of that. There's no question, but it's, it's different diversity of experience, right? So, you know, there's certain roles where you might want people specifically that have been in sports. And there may be certain roles where you specifically want people outside of sports. But for me, having those, um, having both, like we hired a, a CMO, head of marketing at the time, now CMO, who had come from Pandora. Uh, she had been at StubHub. She had been at um, actually at Live Nation earlier in her career. So so a, a different um, background. Our, our chief legal officer came from another law firm, out, had, had done some work in sports, but not from a sports team. Um, you know, our, our head of finance, I just told you where, where he came from. So um, I think that having that combination is important. And the, the other thing I thought of, Andy, when you were, were asking your question, I think one of the things that, that, that affects some of this is the, the changing of the guard within ownership, because um, that's where it really starts, right? That, that's the leadership. And Joe and Peter are the ones setting the, the vision for our franchise. We're so lucky to, to have them as our owners. Uh, and I'm and I'm not just saying that because I don't I don't know that they'll be listening to this podcast right like that's 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 the legitimate truth and I think our fans know that you just have to watch Joe Lake at one of our games and yeah you know, we usually lose our listening audience at a net worth of about 250 million so anybody with a net worth over 250 million might not be following us. Yeah, that's I, that makes sense for the demographics, but but I think I think you see like you you had this transition from um, you know people that have owned sports teams for a long long time to this sort of newer newer age um, you know uh, technology era uh, where you know you're starting to see over the last 10, 10, 15 years you're seeing more and more sports teams really run as businesses, whereas prior to that you saw more of um, I don't say mom and pop because I, and I don't It was more art collecting. That's how I would look at it. I have six houses. I have four planes. I've endowed four colleges. I'll get one of those sports teams. You know, that's fine for the weekends. And I'll hire some people that know what they're doing. And I think you're, I don't think, I know you're right with Joe and Peter and the, and the rest of the ownership group totally focused on the product and being the best they can possibly be. And there are other ownership groups that haven't quite gotten there yet or try, but they just haven't figured it out. And, you know, it's it was historical point that Joe didn't have things wonderful in the first year or two. Um, but then, you know, when Rick comes in and, uh, and uh, Steve Kerr, fairly decent coach, and Bob is the general manager, and a whole bunch of others, uh, and you, you said it right at the beginning, it wasn't just one, it was many, and many had made the team incredible. And I would ask you this question, um, when you give yourself a deep breath and you know, you've won nine games and you're thinking about the playoffs and hoping to get you know, Draymond back and seeing Steph do stuff that nobody quite comprehends and Clay being back, do you ever go, holy mackerel, I'm the president of the Golden State Warriors. This team is magical. And we have a player that transcends the game, which isn't easily done. Does that ever go through your head? <clears throat> it's a good question, Andy. I, here's what I would say. When people say it to me the way you just did, which which I do, and by the way, Rick Welts, Rick Welts called me 
when was it? I think could we won our five pre all five of our preseason games, and then we won our first. I should know this four or five games of the regular season. And he calls me and he goes, "How does it feel to be the president of a team that's won like won nine? You know, won your first nine games." Uh, Rick's Rick's the best. I talk to Rick all the time. Um, uh, so when people say it to me, I think is when I more think of it that way. I think you're so. Um, you like just going, going. And because I've worked here for so long, like we're one of the things I love about this place. And I think a lot of us that, that have been here for a long time uh, love about Joe and Peter and just where we are is we're always looking ahead. And so that, that really is my mindset. Like you're, you're, I mean, I enjoy every minute of this. So don't, don't take that the wrong way. I, I love what I do every day and, and like, you know, going to the games and I've, I've missed 21 home games in the last 20 years, right? Like every, I'm at every game that's, and that's usually because I'm at NBA sales and marketing meetings in Miami or wherever that usually they've been. Yeah, you're not in Tahiti goofing off. You're no, working. No. And yeah, exactly. And, um, so I, I probably don't think about that as much as I should, but it is, it is a dream job. I mean, it's, I grew up a Warriors fan. I've worked here a long time. So having the opportunity to have this, this role with the team that we have on and off the court is um, it's humbling, quite honestly. Like, you know, when, when I hear people like you talk about the franchise, the way that you do and to have the role that I, I do, it really humbling is the right word. Um, yeah. but we, are, we are always looking ahead to what's next. No, I, I think about, I just, you know, added up some years. I was there in, you know, in a similar role 26 years ago. You know, most people aren't even 20. Jake, what are you, 21? You're not even 28, 20, 28, well, almost 28. Right? Yeah. He was yeah. freaking two years okay. old then, you know, and I was dealing with Don Nelson and Latrell Sprewell and Chris Weber and uh, Oakland, Oakland politicians. And I wish I remembered the number, the headcount of our staff. But what is your headcount now at Chase? So let me just say, I'll answer your question, but I, I don't know if you want me to tell you what I was doing 26 years ago. Um, cause yes, so 19, I do. 1996, I was a junior in high school. Uh, so I graduated high school in 1997. I started here in 2002, so it wasn't that much later. So our headcount now, if you include everybody, is about 525 people. When I started, I'll, I'll, I'll go where you were going. When I started here in 2002, and I should know the exact number, I don't, but I think we were about 75 people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and even even if you go to 2019, so this is where it really started to take off from a headcount perspective, because at, when we were at Oracle Arena, as you know, we, we were a tenant. So we didn't, we didn't run the building or operate the building. So in tw early 2019, I think we had about 225 people. And by the end of 2019, we had more than doubled in size. And, and, and a good chunk of that was arena operations. So the people that you need to operate the building, but all your other functions, right? You need more marketing people because now you're marketing everything, not just Warriors games. So, you, so a lot of our corporate partnerships, a lot of our functions grew as a result of that. And then the other thing is like, we, we now have uh, five esports teams. So, uh, you know, we have our Santa Cruz G League team. So there's other there's other properties that, that didn't exist in your days or my my early days. So that's part of it, too. But yeah, 75 to 525 people in in 19 years. Pretty, pretty fast growth. Yeah. And, and the other point is, as you well know, I I'm very proud of Oakland and what it's meant in sports. And of course, there's lots of debate in terms of what's going on now in, in relocation, the A's are, you know, front page news every day as to what's going to happen. But you in, in the move to San Francisco and what the Giants started at Mission Bay in China Basin 23 years ago, and UCSF and the global focus of healthcare and medicine there, the place is a miracle. 
and it's changing in a positive way every day, and you're in a global city that's always viewed in the top two or three in the world, that's a lot of pressure. At least I would think nothing against Oakland, but San Francisco, these two teams, this development is mind boggling. And, and it's not just, okay, we're a basketball team that's pretty damn good. You're part of a much larger lifestyle, correct? Yeah. And, and, and I would say the opposite uh, in terms of how we think about it. We think of it just as a huge opportunity. Right. So to be to be in the market, you know, when, when people talk about some of the things we've accomplished and I go, well, look, with the basketball team we have in the market we're in and in, 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 in the arena investment that we made, like it's the perfect storm. Right. So so that's how we really think about it. And I mean, I, you know, I did a, an interview early earlier today talking about um, NFTs and we we're just talking, you know, I was just talking about like where we are in the world in, in San Francisco and the Silicon hey, Valley. Brandon, did you buy, have you bought any FCF NFTs? You know, we've had one of the biggest drops in sports over the last few days. We need to trade, we need to trade NFTs. Have you bought one of my NFTs? I have not bought one of your NFTs yet, uh, okay. Andy. I, I, I must've been the one person in the world that did not see. No, you need to check drop. it out. It's trending at about $85,000, but so back to, you know, you could say NFTs a few years ago and people would go, what, 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 what did you say? I think, well, I, I think people and, still say, what, what is that, right? I, I think you do, I think you do still get some of that. And that was part of what I was talking about in this interview earlier is like being where we are in Silicon Valley, um, you know, maybe there's an obligation, but we more see it as like, it's just part of our DNA. Like, yeah. and we, we, we have team members from all over the country, but we have a lot of people from the Bay Area. And so it's just, Living here, it just gets into your blood, right? Um, and so we 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 see ourselves um, as having the opportunity to innovate, and, and we want to innovate and be leaders and 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 tech forward and, and looking ahead always. But NFTs in particular, like NFTs, aren't going anywhere. You're a sports and entertainment laboratory in the most positive sense. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, and, and that goes to what what um, Peter Guber always says: like if you're not failing, you're not trying. Right, like we 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 want to be taking risks. And by the way, NFTs to me is there's no there's not really a lot of risk. I mean, they're 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 it's a it's an incredible way to engage fans. Um, you know, digital collectibles. I mean, look, everyone's one of the biggest companies in the world just changed their name to Meta. Um, right, everyone's talking about the metaverse. Um, it, right, and it wasn't named after a former NBA player, right? Yeah. Yeah. Different, different spelling. One less. Yeah, that, T. That, yes, that, one that, T, not two Ts. I got. Good, good call, Jake. <laughs> no, but 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 honestly, like being here in San Francisco, being in the Bay Area, we, we view as an incredible opportunity. Brandon. Well, uh, Jake, I got a problem. We're going to have to have Brandon back on for another episode because like we got 48 other points to talk about. I want to have a, a competition when we get video because I've got a fairly large bobblehead collection, not in this office, but in another one. So we'll have to go uh, bobblehead against bobblehead there. I can't see them all, but I think you got some classics and I know I do too. Yeah, though no, we could do that. My home office also has uh, a pretty good uh, collection as well. My San Francisco Giants bobbleheads are in my home office. These are all basically and, all, all words. Do you have an Andy Dulwich bobblehead? Um, Jake, do I have an Andy Dulwich bobblehead? course yes i do and i would just tell you this brandon i'm very proud of this i believe it is the only front office bobblehead in which the executive is wearing tasseled loafers 
<laughs> Who would have known that, right? That's awesome. Who would we, have known that? I have a Rick Welts bobblehead, uh, and I have a, no one should have a Brandon Schneider bobblehead, but I, I, I have one. I was the best man in a wedding. No, and, you gotta. Uh, and I got a Brandon <laughs> Schneider bobblehead out of it. And I'll let I'll let Jake uh, move us to the end of this session, but. To me, it's a perfect example because you identified where the business is going, NFTs and change and uh, VR and AR and artificial intelligence and drones and measuring everything in a positive sense, all to give the fans the most incredible experience that they can get. But if you want to have people go crazy, give them a bobblehead, right? I, I think that is very well said, Andy. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I started off my career at, at minor league baseball, and one of the most fascinating things I found was that we sold out more games that had bobblehead giveaways than any other game. It didn't matter what night it, people came for the bobblehead, maybe stayed for a couple innings, left. <laughs> that was that was it. It was the bobblehead. So. Yeah, I know it'll be a sign of the apocalypse if bobbleheads go away because of NFTs. You know that'll you that'll could be have a bad, NFT bad bobblehead. Yes, Jake, Jake, we're on the same wavelength. I, I was just I, I was going to say uh, the same thing. You young, you young smarties. I don't know. I don't Brandon, know. I got I got one question for you as we end. So we we know you're a busy guy, but what keeps you up at night? Like I, obviously, there's a when, when I asked you a loaded question earlier, you had 17 different thoughts, all of which were amazing, but you've got to have things going left, right, center, backwards, up, down. I mean, how do you center yourself, focus on the present while still having a focus on the future and then get some sleep at the same time? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a better question than you probably know. I don't sleep very much. Um, I, I probably do, you know, five or six hours during the week. I try and do more than that on the weekend. Um, and, 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 you know, you're, you do have a lot of things going through your head as you, as your head hits the pillow. Um, I, I think what keeps me up at night is just, um, I'm impatient, right? So there's all these things that we want to do and you kind of said it, I mean, prioritizing and figuring out, you know, making sure that we're, we're giving everything the right amount of attention and living in the moment. Um, but, and, and, but, but, and, and some of that for me is it's like how do we resource the right way because there's so many things we want to do and we rely on on our core we, i mean we, we have a great team so relying on those people to do all this stuff but at some point you know you only have so many hours in the day so much bandwidth so figuring out how to resource uh, appropriately to do all the things we want to do and then prioritizing and being like okay we can't do everything so because we want to make sure everything we do we do at a high level so 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 that always has to be the lens um, and so figuring out like having that patience to say, look, we've got all these things out there. And, and by the way, like it's it's something, you know, Joe and Peter, the same thing and, and not impatient in the sense that they're like pushing us in an undue way. But there's just so many uh, things that we kick around, so many things, so many aspirations that we have. So just figuring out how to and, and it's one of the things we're working on, actually, is to get a better sort of uh, organized system um, for prioritizing and making sure that we're allocating our resources appropriately, because we have so many people that just get it get it done no matter what it takes. Um, but but we think as we as we grow and continue to do more, we, we have to get a little smarter in, in how we we do that. Brandon sports is like the news cycle. It used to be 24 hours, then it's 24 minutes. Now it's two and a half minutes, and you're moving towards nanoseconds. So if you look at your ownership, you look at the Silicon Valley, you look at your staff and you look at the fans, 
and you come up with a big hairy idea, as you said, it's like, that's great. Is it done yet? Like, well, well, no, I brought it up yesterday. Yeah, well, um, why isn't it done yet? Because that's all of those people together, including you, which is only giving you three hours and 14 minutes of sleep. So we appreciate you spending time with us. Um, we hope Draymond is back on the court. And I would just say I'm looking forward to Ja and Steph matching up. That will be spectacular. Could not agree more. Looking forward to that. I appreciate you guys having me on. A lot of fun. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.